This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay. Parshas Nasso, Parshas Nasso Parkei Pusik Bays. So this is toward the beginning of the parsha. It says Savis Bnei Yisrael vishalchu min amachna kol tzrua b'chol zav b'chol tamei lanafesh. It says command Bnei Yisrael send out from the camp anybody with tzaras, anybody who is a zav, that's an, a guy with an emission, b'chol tamei lanafesh, and anybody who's tamei for another person. Now all three of these, all three of these must refer to a different person, and it's different. We'll see each one of them have a different status. So Rashi says this happened on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. It is one of the eight parshos that were told over on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. The Mishkan was set up. Nadav and Aviyu passed away. Eight parshos were said. One of them was this one, that you have to send out certain people from the camp that they shouldn't be there. Then Itziv says, can you imagine a day filled with Simcha, when everyone was standing near the Mishkan wanting to watch the Shekhinah descend in the Kohanim starting the Avodah on that very day. On that day, they had to throw out certain people. They had to go up to certain people and say, get out of here. You can't be here. They had to send them out. And that's why the word Tzav is used here. Tzav is Rizus. Miyad Uladoros for this generation and for all generations. It was difficult for them to do. This was not an easy thing to do, especially on a day of Simcha, and yet they did it. And yet they were willing to do it. They did it properly. So then we ask, so what is this Parsha doing here if it was told to Klau Yisrael earlier? This is already, if this is on the first day of Nisan, then it should have been back somewhere in Vayikra. Why is it here in Parsha's Naso? What's it doing here? So the Ramban says it makes sense. The Rashbam, we'll say with the Rashbam first. I'm sorry, the Rashbam says that the Parsha goes to the order of the camps where everyone's settled. And after it goes to that, this is the absolute perfect spot to mention who's in and who's out. We just mentioned Bamidbor, all the camps where everybody went. This is a perfect sikum to that idea. The Ramban says this tells us that the Shekhinah was manifest, the Shekhinah was everywhere, throughout all three Machanos. Not just the inner one where the Mishkan was, Mishkan standing for the Shekhinah, not just there, but it was all throughout the entire camp, and therefore it's appropriate to keep someone who's Tameh, varying degrees of Tuma, obviously, away from such people. This mitzvah applies at all times, not just then, says the Ramban, it applies to us as well. It's a mitzvah for everyone to know that sometimes you've got to keep people out. Sometimes those people don't belong. The Rachayim she adds that a Kaddish Baruch who had already commanded the Levium to stay away from certain areas of Kedusha, allowing some Levium to carry this, other Levium to carry that. That's in the beginning of Parshas Naso. Kahas will carry these things. Gershon carries these things. Marari carries these things. But they weren't allowed to switch jobs for the day because everyone had to know their place. Everyone has to know exactly what they're supposed to do and their level of Kedusha. And you can't skip a czar cannot be a Kohen. A non-Levi cannot be a Levi. If you're supposed to be a gatekeeper, you can't be a singer. If you're supposed to be a singer, you can't be a gatekeeper. You keep your job, and you've got to stay where you are. And therefore, says the Orachim that applied to everyone in B'nai Yisrael. Know your place. 
Sometimes you have to be sent out of a camp and that's okay. That's part of life. Part of life is understanding where you belong and where you're supposed to be. If I would walk up at the time when on Rosh Hashanah, when they're getting together and they, 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 they have a Baal Musaf up there and I go up there and I say, everybody look at me, what are you doing? You don't belong as a Baal Musaf. You're not a Baal Musaf. I might pretend to be a Baal Musaf, right? But I don't have the voice. I don't. I just don't. So I can't be a Baal Musaf. If I wanted to go up for Birchas Kohanim and be a coin and stand up there and put my hands out, I know what to do. I know how to put my hands that way. I've seen the Vulcans do it. Right? I have no problem getting up there and standing there with the talus on my head. But I can't. That's not my job. Everyone has their job, says the Orachim HaKadosh, and that's that. It says the Orachim HaKadosh, that showed something. When they were in the right place, the Anane HaKavod showed. When everyone knew where they were supposed to be, the Anane HaKavod were everywhere, not just the Mishkan. Wherever you walked, you felt the Shekhinah with you. And it certainly affected their behavior and their attitude about life when they saw the Shekhinah with them wherever they went. What an unbelievable bracha. In fact, the Miyam always says, this proved that there was Kiddush in every camp, that everybody understood there was Kiddush in every camp. You didn't have to be a Kohen to be Kadosh, and that's good. Because Nayan Torah says it clearly. There are two reasons why we mention this here. Number one, because we just went through the Seder of the camps. Number two, because we know that every part of the camp contains Kiddusha. And those are the answers that are shown him. Rabbi Victor Miller says a Kaddish Baruch who loves it when we keep outside influences sorry, outside. When we keep those out, when we have walled cities, cities that are surrounded by a Choma, keeping other people out that are not supposed to be inside, that, that is exactly what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants, what a Kaddish Baruch Hu loves. If we're successful in doing that, then he will allow his Shechina to be dwelling with us. It could be that these communities knew this, they, it helped them in the Ravodis Hashem. Perhaps that's what made them into the people that they were. Okay. Torah more says that after the Gullim were announced, they were each placed in their own place, wherever they were supposed to go. Shevet Don, Naphtali, Asher was in one place, Reuben, Shimon, and Gad in another place, Ephraim, and Asher, and Binyamin. Right, you have Yehuda, Yisachar, and Zvulun. When everybody had that, B'nai Yisrael were filled with beauty, Kedusha, and Hidur. And that's why at this point, certain people had to be kicked out. It's because once there was a beauty to Klal Yisrael, that's when those who didn't represent that Kedusha had to leave. That's the idea, because we really are supposed to represent a city of Malachim, a camp of angels getting together. But there's another reason that's mentioned over here. Chazal tell us in the Medrash Rabbah that before Cheda Egel, B'nai Yisrael had zero sins, no tuma, no nega, no tsaras. They were healed from all their blemishes. Have you heard that before? That by the Egel Azov, they were completely healed. If they had a blemish, if they were missing an arm, if something was wrong, they were healed from all those things. Maybe the Vayikorabba in Yerchazdal, it says even their physical blemishes were taken away and everything was clean. But after the sin of the Egel Azov, 40 days later, just 40 days later, they were filled with Tuma, Ziva, Nida, Kifaruahu. It spread throughout the entire camp. They were filled with Tuma. So on the day they committed the sin of the Egel Azov, there were people among them filled with Tuma that had to leave the camp, that had to leave the Machna of B'nai Yisrael. Because that's what happened. And that's why we're mentioning it over here. Now again, Rosh Chodesh Nisan is when it was announced. But the truth is, as soon as that, this came back, as soon as that Tuma came back, when it was gone in the very beginning, and as soon as it came back, after Matan Torah up until this point, B'nai Yisrael to know certain people didn't belong. Chassam Sofer 
asks in Torah's Moshe a weird question. He says, there are those that say that the blemishes didn't come back until the time of the Misoninim. Do you remember the Misoninim? We're going to do it next week's Parsha. Those that complained. And they complained that they were just complaining about the road. Just like, oh, do we really have to go there? Like, are we there yet type of people, right? So the Misoninim were complaining about what was going on. How can it be that Vayasu Cain, which it says in the next passage, Vayasu Cain, they got rid of the Tomei people from their camp if it wasn't Shaykh yet. At the first of Nisan, whenever this was said, even the first of Ear, they weren't at the level of the Misonim yet. The Misonim didn't happen, which means they never got the blemishes back yet. There were no Tameh people, says Aksam Sofer. So what does it mean, Vayasu Kane? And if it refers to the future, right, that seems strange in the context of the Pasuk. The Pasuk seems to say they did it, but there were no Tameh people at that time. How could that be? It could be that it's referring to people that were not Tameh on purpose. For example, there were people who asked about Pesach Sheni, right? Why were they Tameh? They might have had a mace mitzvah. Perhaps they were carrying Yosef's bones, right? Or Mishol and Otsafan, who carried out Nadav and Avihu. They were Tomei Mace at some point. They needed to know what their status was, that so they were told. And by the way, doesn't that make sense? On Rosh Chodesh Nisan, there was nobody Tomei, nobody Tzeruah, nothing. But on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, there were two people who were Tomei Mace. Mishol and Otsafan were Tomei Mace. So for the first time, they had to worry about Tumas Mace. If this Tuma didn't come back until the Misoninim, if the whole idea of Tzoraz didn't come back until the Misoninim, like the Chassam Sofer says, it makes sense to say it in Rosh Kodesh Nisan because it's the first time, says the Chassam Sofer, because even though there was no Tuma, there could still be Tuma. By the way, this is a, is a Pashat idea, and I know everybody knows this. When Adam Rishon did the Chait, of, uh, you know, the original Chait and everything that happened because of it, it's not like you couldn't sin. It's just that the possibility of sin was so vite, it was so far off, people wouldn't sin. It's not that they couldn't, it's that they wouldn't. Does everybody understand what I'm saying by that? You it's not that you can't, it's that you won't. You just won't sin. But if you really wanted to, you could sin, and that's what other Marishon did. B'nai Yisrael over here were not in a state where they couldn't become Tameh. They could, it would just, you'd have to go out of your way to become Tameh. It's not that they couldn't become Mitzorayim. You could, but nobody wanted to speak Lashon Hara. If you spoke Lashon Hara, you would become a Mitzorah. That's the idea behind it, Dave, yeah. Because we have, you are right, we did mention that a Mitzorah gets sent out. We did not mention that a Zav and a Tame Mace get sent out. And if we did, it was very in short and it wasn't clear. This is the clarity thing. This is the clarity. Yes, it is in the end of Mitzorah. It does mention about a Zav, etc. But it's not clear. The clarity is, now that you have the Machnos, here's what we're going to do. This guy goes out of this camp. This guy goes out, like, for example, a Mitzorah is going to go out of all three camps. A Zav's going to go out of two camps. And a Tamei Meskin is going to go out of one camp, the Machnes Shechina, out of the Mishkan itself. But he could be by Shevet Levi, right? A, a Zav has to stay out of shape, a, a Machna Levi, and he could be a Machna Yisrael. But Zor has to be even outside of Machna Yisrael. See what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That wasn't clear, and that's clarified in this part. The Correct. The, the, the details of how it went. When she became a Mitzorah. Yeah. Right. She had to leave the camps. She had to leave the camps. Oh, when did this happen? This is afterward. Mitz- Miriam is afterward. Miriam is afterward. Yeah. Miriam is after, right before the Miraglim, which would have been soon, but not yet. It would have been soon. It would have been so um, talking, oh, so r- late year. I'm sorry? So this is sometime in... The- Rosh Kodesh Nisan. Okay. Rosh Kodesh Nisan of the second year. Shlomo, yeah. Yeah. 
Ziva. Keri might have applied, and there's a Shaila of Keri is applicable the same way that Ziva is. But Ziva, right, would not have applied. I mean, they wouldn't have had Tumas Ziva, which is a little bit different. But yes, there would have been people that would have been together with their wives, and there would have been Tumas Keri, but Tumas Keri is a Shaila whether it applies, or if that's just a Durabanan, or based on the Pasuk and Reboy, we don't know. That, that, that already is a Shaila. Yeah, and the second thing. Very, very good. No, 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 you're right. And it can be said. The Chassam Silver just said that's always a dochek answer. So why give it if you don't have to? That's why I said it did happen. There was somebody that was tummy. There were people that were tummy. Now, I will tell you, the Pardes Yosef has about three pages about this Indian, going into this Indian, etc., and says Levium have the name Siegel because they retained the status of Am Segula. Technically, we're all a Mamleches Kohanim the Goikadosh, right? They retained the status of Am Segula, because even though the Egel Azov happened, they weren't involved in the Egel Azov itself. That was taken away from Shevet Levi and given over from Bnei Yisrael and given over straight to them. He then brings up Dustin and Abiram. Now, this is interesting. The Rishonim and the Dharam Zayinim Abays all say that they must have been poor because if they were Mitzrayim, they would have been kicked out of the camp, right? And even though the Tsaras went away at Har Sinai, it came back after the Egil. So that's interesting, right? Nadav and Aviyu, right? Nadav, I'm sorry, Dustin and Aviram. Why, does, why do everybody do Dustin and Aviram, right? Why is it that they have Tsaras? How do we know that they didn't have Tsaras? Because they were living inside the camp. If they were living inside the camp, they couldn't have been Mitzorayim. And if they were Mitzorayim and Mitzrayim, they would have kept that after the Egel Azov. An interesting line. You'd think maybe it would have gone away since the times of Mitzrayim. But the Gemara assumes that if they were Mitzorayim and Mitzrayim, it never went away. It would have came back after the Egel Azov, and they would have had it. There is a She'elah Shalom, right? A She'elah Shalom that says... There's a Mishnah in Negayim, in Parak Zion Mishnah Aleph, which says anyone who had Saras from before Matan Torah was not considered Tameh. It's when it will be, right? Excluding anything they had beforehand. If so, even if the Saras would have come back, it wouldn't have been a Tsaras that's Tameh because it's a Tsaras from before Matan Torah. So what's the big deal? They wouldn't have been kicked out of the camp anyway. Maybe they were Mitzorayim. They weren't poor. They were Mitzorayim. But the Tsaras is not a Tameh type of Tsaras. And therefore they weren't kicked out even when they had Tsaras later. What's the Raya of the Gemara? That's the question that the Shayla Shalom asks. Or Bishaya Pick. If you don't know who Bishaya Pick is, he's in the inside of every Gemara. It's Rabbi Yoshua Boaz who wrote the Torah or the Mesoris Ashas that's all around, the Ein Mishpat Ner Mitzvah, without a computer. That man is amazing. Okay, that's Rabbi Yeshua Boaz. Rabbi Yeshaya Pick added on to it, and I hope I'm pronouncing I don't know, I, I have no idea if it's Pike or Pick or whatever it is. It's spelled Pei Yud Kuf. So good luck with that. So whatever it is, but I'm assuming it's Rabbi Yeshaya Pick. He writes the brackets. Do you see the brackets on the side of the Gemara, the Mesoris Ashas? When there's brackets, that's what he added in. There are certain other things that he did, but that's what Yeshaya Pick did. He answers that this is Panim Chadashos. Maybe you guys even thought of this answer. Well, what do you mean? The Tsaras before Matan Torah was not Metame, right? But the Tsaras that came after Matan Torah, even if it was the same Tsaras, the Tsaras that came afterward is Metame. You hear the answer, right? So they were, that would have been, so to speak, they would have been made them Mitzorayim. So if they really had Tsaras back then and they continue to have Tsaras now, then that would have been Tame because it was Panim Chadash, it was something brand new. 
the Chassam Sofer says in Nidarim that no, Anisa de Osid Lios Lo Samcha Torah, the Torah is not Somech, and such Nisim. So when they took back their Tsaras from beforehand, it should have been considered the exact same thing. The Divri Yol, this Rabbi Yol Misatmer, the Satmar Rebbe, in Parzazria, he tries saying that this mission only applied to the Erev Rav. Did you know that the Erev Rav did not lose anything on Matan Torah? It makes sense. They weren't at Matan Torah. Erev Rav were not like the rest of Bnei Yisrael. So they retained their status of Tuma and Ziva and Tsaras and everything like that. He says everything's referring to that. And by the way, there's a Raya. I, 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 he gives a Raya to this. I don't know if it's, it's just interesting. There were two Mitzrayim in the camp. Do you remember who the two Mitzrayim were who saw the Amorim be killed as they came in? It's a Gemara and Brachos, Nundal and Mabez, technically. S and Have. Es vahev bisufa, says the Gemara, es and have, or vahev, I don't even know if it's vahev or have, right? There were two Mitzorayan at the end of the camp who saw what was happening with the Amorim. He says, Rabbi Yomi Satmar says, they were Erev Rav people. That es and have were Erev Rav people, and that's why the Mitzorayan, because the rest of B'nai Yisrael didn't have it. Interesting little line over here. Either way, the Chassam Sofer in his notes to the Sheiltas says there could be a difference between a natural disease and a spiritual disease, and maybe that's what we're referring to over here. There's some answers, but it's a great question. That question from the Sheilas Shalom is right there. Now, we're getting into the details now. Dave, you already asked me about this before, and I kind of already gave this away. Rosh says there were three camps with three different statuses. Machna Shechina was the area of the Mishkan, right? The area of the Mishkan includes the Chatzra Mishkan, right, with the Ohel Moed as well, which has the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim. That entire area, you couldn't be there if you were a Metzora, you couldn't be there if you were a Zub, you couldn't be there if you were Tamei Mace. Machna Levia, which was outside of that, that was the area where on the east side you had Moshe, Aaron, and his sons. On the south side you had Kahas. West side you had Gershon. And the top side you had Merari. That area, you were allowed to be Tameh Mace. The Raya is that Yosef Atzadik took Moshe Rabbeinu's bones with, I'm sorry, Yosef's bones with him out of Mitzrayim, which means he must have had the bones there. So that means you could have a mace in that area. So Machna Levia, you were allowed to have a mace. That's there. You should know, by the way, this is a massive Machlokas Gurari Mizrahi, Nachalas Yaakov, how we learn all this, but we'll go with the simplest explanation. But you couldn't have a Zav in that area. Whether that includes a Balkari or not would be interesting. Were the wives of the Levium allowed in Machna Levia or were they not allowed in Machna if they, you couldn't have a Balkari there, then you couldn't have the wives there. They couldn't be with their wives. It was just man houses, right? And that's that, right? If you could, then you were allowed to. You were allowed to have that there, right? And the women would, st- would have stayed, I don't know, they would have stayed on the outside, I guess. Machani Yisrael, you could have a Zav, you could have a Tomei Mace. You couldn't have a Mitzora. You wouldn't be able to have a Mitzora there. The Mitzorayim were kicked out completely from that area. As we know, they caused people to do things. Therefore, they were to hate each other, etc. So they were kicked out completely from the camp. All that makes sense, right? All that completely makes sense. As for the Balkari, you can look up the Tur Alatora that mentions something over here. As well as the Gemara and Pesachim Samach Zayin. Pesachim Samach Zayin seems clear that it's a part of all this. How do we know all of it? Again, I just mentioned to you, there's a Sifse Chachamim, there's a Tur, there's a Moshev Zekanim, there's a Rabbeinu Ephraim, there's a Mizrahi, a Gorari, and a Nachalas Yaakov. But I'm not going to go into those details. That's for everybody else to go around over here. As well as a Shachal Torah. The Chavetz Chaim, now we're going into Ramaz, and the Chavetz Chaim points out the obvious over here. Out of the three, who's the worst? A Mitzorah. Because the Mitzorah is kicked out of all three camps then a Zav, and then a Tomei Mace. So it's just interesting. Wouldn't you think that a Tomei Mace, a Mace, would be worse than a Metzora? Wouldn't you think that way? Why, you, you're shaking your head. Why not? No. Why? Because one is, one is, one is it's not his fault. Tomei Mace, you touched a dead guy. Tomei Mace, you touched a guy. Yeah, you touched a guy. 
stop touching dead people. You know what I'm saying? Like, stop poking them with sticks, and then you have a problem. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. So, you know, that's for sure true. And I'm sorry, you definitely, there's no time where you say, like, I have to. <laughs> that's definitely true. I guess if you're dealing with the Chavetz Chaim, right, what's he going to tell you? Lashon Hara is bad. <laughs> it tells you how bad Lashon Hara is. Lashon Hara is so bad, it's worse than a mace. It's worse than a mace. He says, that tells you that. Doi Koadomi was a tremendous Tamechachem who learned a crazy amount of Torah. He's called, Ab, called Abir Haroim because he was the Av Beisdin of all of Kali. So the Av Beisdin, we say about him. And yet, nonetheless, because he spoke Lashon Hara, he was kicked out of all three camps, meaning he lost his Chelek in Olam Haba. It's Lashon Hara that caused him to be kicked out. Now, granted, I, I, I don't want to question the Chavetz Chaim. I would personally say that the reason why Doeg Adomi lost his chilek in Olhaba is because he killed 85 Kohanim in Nov. Murder of 85 Kohanim single-handedly will definitely get you a very, very bad spot. <laughs> I'm just saying. I guess he's saying that the Lashonara caused him to eventually kill the 85 Kohanim at Nov. It's a strange line, isn't it? That Lashon Hara is what kicked Doe Gadomi out when he murdered cold blood. But I guess, I, again, you can answer it, that Doe Gadomi was told by Shaul Amelech to kill. So Shaul Amelech told him to do it, and the king told him to do it, he's allowed to listen. But no one else listened. Everybody else told Shaul that we were not chayiv to do it, even though the king told us to, because it's murder of an innocent person. I'm not questioning the Chavetz Chaim. Chas v'shalom. I'm not that big of an apikoris yet. Okay? But nonetheless, what I mean by this is... Oh, I thought you were going to argue about me being... A, yeah. I think, yeah, let's not say that. I just, I find it weird that the Chavetz Chaim says it that way, but he says it all over. He says it, I've seen it three times in Shemir Salashan, that he quotes Doi Gadomi, that his downfall was because of Lashonara. He definitely started him on the wrong path. But for that to be that way, I, I don't know, especially because David Amalek was an enemy of the king at the time. It's very hard for me to understand it, but no, no, this is something I still have to work on. Ayelas Ashachar, and this is Rip Steinman, wonders, who is in charge of this? Who kicked these people out? Who is the guy who is like the bouncer taking these people and saying, you go out, you go out, etc.? So the, the Kielis Yaakov, this is the stipler, says from Horius Davches, says based on Rav Sadigon, that this mitzvah was on Beisden and the Tzibor. Beisden and the Tzibor had it, not on individual people who were tummy, not on them. If I'm tummy, I'm not chayiv to send myself out which is what the sound, word by Yishalchu sounds like. It sounds like they sent them out. Not that you had to leave, but somebody had to kick you out. They had to send them out itself. It's interesting. Did, if you knew you were a Mitzorah, were you chayiv to take yourself out? Let's say nobody kicked you out. Did you have to go? Or were you allowed to stay? I mean, if nobody told you to leave, if you stayed, are you over on an Isser? What does Vishalchu minamachanem mean? Were you over on an actual Isser? Somebody who's a Tzorua or a Zav, a person who's a Zav, if they didn't say anything to him and he walked in, was he over on an Isser? Did he do something wrong? Tomei Mace, we already know, going into the base of Mikdash was a wrong thing. That, that we have Psukim for, right? Into the Mishkan itself. That's something different. But a Zav and a Mitzorah, is it there? It sounds like it's a Chiv on something else. Now, in Sefer and Mitzos, Asin, Lamed Aleph, this is the Rambam, says it was on the Tomei man to leave on his own or the Mitzorah or the Zav. They had to go out on their own. This stipler says it could be both are true. 
each person must know that this mitzvah was put on based in the tzibor because they're the ones in charge. They have the power to kick anyone out. This person has the power over himself to decide to leave the camps and he should do so. So Stadler says there's no sira here. There's no contradiction. There's no, there's no possibility that you can stay, etc. No, you had to leave. You had to leave. And that's what the Rambam is saying and that's that. He just asked the question. He says, if you were for whatever reason, if, if you are, Tommy, did you have to present yourself to the Beisden? You're a Zav. Did you have to tell Beisden that you were a Zav? Did you have to do it or no? Do you not have to do it? Meaning, do you have to just leave? Can you pick up your stuff? Is it a chi of like a Kohen in a hospital when there's somebody dies where he just has to run out? Without grab- what is he allowed and what is he not allowed to do? Those questions are not answered. And that's a very, very strange thing to find out. It's, it's unbelievable because you, we don't apply this in other cases. If someone's high of Misa, high of Malchus, we don't tell him, whip yourself. Right? We don't tell him that. And if he does it, it doesn't even count. If someone's high of Misa, he's high of Skila, let's say, he can't go out and just throw himself over a cliff with a rock over him, right? And say that I was Makayim Skila. Right? We have that Gemara with the, the strange man, right, in Avodazara, around Yirchas, I can't remember, not Rabbi Lazarudai, the other one, in which he killed himself with all four, right, did Skila Sreifa Harichenek on himself, which is amazing, by the way, should go after that guy, right? But nonetheless, I'm sorry? The Gemara explains, he like was swallowing hot lead, throwing himself into a fire down a cliff while getting a rock after him, while stepping on like some type of a knife. I don't know. You know, honestly, I didn't put much thought into this. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. But he had all four. He was able to do it. There's something there. It's not awesome. Hold on. <laughs> Let's keep that. There's awesome is God. <laughs> That's awesome. We're, we're kind of borrowing that term, you know, like, like you can't say like Cholent. You can't say Cholent is awesome. <laughs> put it the same way. Yeah, that's not awesome. It's just amazing. <laughs> Something like that. Because Nayim Latora says there are often, this is such a great line from this, this is, um, that, that, that he says, there are often Yeram. He calls them Yeram who are not Shleiman. People who fear God but are not complete people who see something terrible happening. They see a guy being Mahalo Shabbos. They see a guy eating trape. They see other, causing others to sin in many horrible ways. So they go to the rub of the town and they say, you got to get rid of this evil. you got to get rid of the evil of our town. Our town is filled with this guy. Why are you letting this guy in? When the rub hears it, he'll often tell the person who told him, come with me. I need you to be a witness. I need you to help me, right? Because I, I don't know what's going to happen over here. Otherwise, we won't be able to punish them properly. You know what the guy says? The guy says, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not my job. That's the rabbi's job. The rabbi's job is to get rid of the guy, right? That's your job. So you have to do it on your own. So says the Aznayim Latoro, when the Pasuk tells us to send out the Tommy people from the camp, it's B'nai Yisroel who are commanded to do so, not Moshe. It's not Moshe. It's not on the Rav to get rid of all of the Tuma of the camp. It's on B'nai Israel. It's everybody there that's supposed to do it. You can't shirk away that responsibility because you're like, oh, you're afraid of being seen. No, the rabbi has to do it by himself. There, there should be everybody all together. Yes, Bazdin and Sheva Levi are, are, are in charge, but everybody should back them up. Everybody should be there for it. I've had this situation before where people will say to me, you need to do it. You have to do it. You're the rabbi of the, of the shul. You're the, you know, the mashkiach of the base matters. And I'm just like, oh, I, why is this put entirely on me, right? It should be everybody. Now I have a Pusik to tell them this. It's everybody. Every single person is involved over here. It shouldn't just be one. Yeah. Why is, why is being a rat encouraged? 
Why is being a rat? Why is snitching on your on your fellow Jew? I know, I know that I I know that snitches get stitches. I realize that, right? But obviously, Uviarto Rami Kirbecho, we have a pasuk in the Torah that says, "Destroy the evil from amongst you." When and how? How do you know what's considered a moster and what's not? What's lashon hara? What's not? It has to be done in the right way. Every single case is, you know, and, and that's why it becomes hard whenever you have Bati Dinin that are trying to make decisions like this and with Kherims and possible Nidois, etc. These are really difficult situations. Nobody's happy at the end of the day because the person who knows that this happened to them, right, wants this guy out, is like, I know it happened. But the Bayesian has to make a decision halakhically and what to do because the, the person might have namanus, he might be a tremendous person, but what are you supposed to do in that case? What do you do? And it's not an easy case, whatever, whenever you come into stuff like this. I, that's why I'm not on a Bayesian. Well, there are other reasons, but this is one of the reasons why it's not. The Briskarov called this mitzvah an iser ase. You hear it? He didn't call a mitzvah saseh. His idea is based on Rechaim Brisker's famous chiluk that tashbisu, according to the Rambanan, right, according to the Rambanan, it could be done with anything. Not like Rabbi Yudu says it has to be burned, but tashbisu can be done with anything. He calls it an iserasseh, but not a mitzvah saseh. Meaning it's an iser of an aseh. Maybe it means this is not a mitzvah to carry out, but rather you're over on a mitzvah by leaving him inside. To get the idea, it's not that you have a mitzvah saseh to kick him out, but by leaving him in and not kicking him out, you're over on an iserasseh. That's the idea behind it. It's interesting. Who would be over? The guy who's tummy or the basin? According to that chiluk that we said before, from the stipler, it could be both. Yeah, Shlomo. Probably not. No, no, no. Don't murder people. I think that's the number one thing that we should... If you came out with nothing else from here, murdering people who are Tame is not a good thing, okay? That's, that, that's lesson number one. <laughs> but that I know. Misdominat. You'd assume not. Now... Now we get into the real world, Muslim. Like, what ends up happening with this guy? And I realize we only have like 10 minutes left, so I'm going to try to run through it. The Kliyaka brings a medrashim, but Midbar Rabba, Zion Yud, the Abarbanel brings this as well. Strange. I, 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 listen, I haven't done the whole Barbanel, but the Abarbanel doesn't usually bring medrashim. But he says, Tsarua refers to someone who committed a vote Zara, because those who worship the Egel Azov, they ended up getting Tsaras. Zav refers to someone who was Megale Arias, because that area of the body that causes Ziva is the same use for Arias itself. Tamil Nefesh is someone who murdered. Obviously, that's Avot. Zara, Gili Arias, and Shvichos Damin, because Tamil and Nefesh, obvious connection, the body that's dead, etc. The whole Pusik is darshaned about Gullus, what kicks a person out. These three cardinal sins, as they call it, Gili Arias, Shvichos Damin, Zara, caused us to have Gullus from the base of Mikdash. This caused the exile. That's what sent the people out, so to speak. Does everybody understand what, what I mean by this? This whole Parsha, so to speak, is out of order. It should have been said by Rosh Kodesh Nisan when they set up the Mishkan. That's when it should have been. It must be here to warn B'nai Yisrael that since we just talked about the Shekhinah joining them in their camp with the Degalim, like we mentioned in the beginning, don't cause Siluk HaShekhinah by doing these three Averos, causing Gullus. That's the idea behind them. The Mitzoru was sent out of all three camps because Avodah Zara has no place in Klau Yisrael. You have to kick it out completely. Azov is Parut Barayis. So he's sent out of the Machnos that contain Kedusha, the extra Kedusha, the Machna Levia, Machna Shechina, right? But you can, there's a place even for, for not Arias, obviously, but in certain areas in which a person utilizes it for good, you still have it in the outer camp, so to speak. And a Tomei Tomei Mace, a Tomei Nefesh, is someone who doesn't think about what he's doing. He doesn't recognize or realize what he's doing. You said this before, Avi, that he sort of, he doesn't realize and he just touches somebody who's dead, etc. 
All three are sent out. But if you have vigilance and ashkach on yourself, taking care of yourself and knowing what you need to do, you can remain in the land. You can remain kadosh. You have everything there and you won't have that galosh. It's a beautiful piece from the Kliyakar. The Igor Dekala says his parsha may hint to something else. The Torah is nitzchi, he says. Therefore, this mitzvah must exist in some way even today. So how does it apply? There are three averas that we have to be especially careful about. He says, kina, taiva, and kadosh. Jealousy getting involved in the pleasures of the world and honor of the world. All three can take a person out of the world, if not done properly, send you out of the camp. That's why we start with the word tzav, to be extremely careful with zrizus, to stay away from this. Even B'nai Yisrael, the best among us, are convinced by Yitzhar that these things are necessary at times. Perhaps you should be makane in order to become a better person. Taivas, in order to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a better way. Kavod, in order to get your point across so that people will listen to you. A tzorua is someone who is jealous of his friends, who he speaks Lashon about him, he's punished with saras because of it. Azov has issues with taiva. That's where this comes from, where ziva comes from. One of the seven reasons brought by the mission in, Z- in, Z- in, Z- in uh, Zov. And Tomei Lenefesh is honor, because a lack of understanding one's place and one's need for honor brings anger to the forefront, makes you like a dead person inside. We have to keep these mitos as far away as possible, or else the results are damaging. And listen to this. The gematria of kol tzorua, the kol zov, the kol Tomei Lenefesh, 1047 is the gematria of Kina Taiva Kavod Motsian Mina Olam. 1048. To be off by one in a case like that, I'm okay with that. Okay? But that's a really, really good one. That's a great remez from the Igor de Kala, from the Bnei Sussler. A beautiful, beautiful piece. Now, and the Chassam Sofer says a little bit differently. He says, Tzuru stands for a Mesi Sumediach, a guy who convinces others to Avodah Zorah, to do Avodah Zorah. Azov is a min, an apostate who reads books and has ideas that are antithetical to real Yiddishkeit, such as Acher, who had Sifri Minim in his lap when he was learning. They fell out when he stood up. A Tami Nefesh is somebody who is Tuma that he's never gotten rid of, so he looks like a Tzadik on the outside, but on the inside, he's really a piece of garbage, right? And he has a horrible influence on others without even realizing it. All three of these people have to be sent away so they exert no influence. You don't want a min, you don't want a guy who's Tomei Lenefesh, Tomei on the inside, and you don't want a guy who's a Macy's Mediach anywhere near Klau Yisrael. And that's why we throw them out. We take them as far as possible in order for them to stay away. Now in Torah's Moshe, the Chsam Sofer says a little bit differently, Atsu is a guy who is stingy and won't give away his money. A Zub is someone who loves eating and drinking more than he should, like a Taiva guy. The extras in life. They give money to Tzedakah, but they spend more on themselves, etc. Tomei Lenefesh is... Someone who allows himself to get involved in the taivos of the world himself. And that's what a person has to stand for and everything like that. We're going to end with one that I know I have the chidah at the very end, but the me'ashiloch, the ishbitzer, is a beautiful piece. He says the hint just a little bit differently. Tzorah stands for anger, which is something that a Baal Lashon Hara possesses because he gets angry at his friends, so he says something about his friend. Azov is about taiva, a guy involved in taiva. So Tomei Nefesh, Tomei Nefesh is someone who has atzvos, sadness, which could be as if he's gone from the world. A tzorua is sent out of all three camps, because just like a Vodazara, anger does not belong in Klau Yisrael. Even righteous anger, even righteous anger, can be scary if used in the wrong way. It can be scary, and the, the best that we can do is hope, hope to contain such things, but many, many kids have been thrown out, thrown out of Klau Yisrael due to anger. When people are angry, they can't get themselves back. Azov is kicked out of two because Talmidei Chachamim should not be Balei Taiva. 
But more than that, we expect people to have tithe in this world. That's part of the world itself. And someone whose tummy lenafesh is only kicked out of Machna Shechina, because even great tzaddikim sometimes need, sometimes need, sometimes need a little bit of atzvus in their avodas Hashem. Oz v'chedva bimkomo. That's why it's not allowed in the base of Mikdash. But oz v'chedva bimkomo. However, sometimes atzvus also helps a person become a better person. And the Evan Ezel says... A man was born with innate desires and drives. Our job is to steer those drives, steer those desires toward ruchnius and a higher purpose, to search for Kedusha and Avas Hashem, to utilize our physical kochos toward that purpose. So our job is to rid ourselves of the tuma within, the tzaras within, the zuhama, the filth within, and then we'll be refined as silver. We'll come out clean. We'll see ourselves in a different vein. We'll find ourselves in a different idea. So this idea of shalchon v'anachana is to send out those those Midos. Send out that evil. Send out the people that don't belong and understand what to do. I realize I'm going to end with this. I realize that this is a very, very difficult thing. When a person is in charge of a yeshiva, a school, and knows that there are people that are influencing others, at what point do you say this is affecting other people? Baruch Hashem, we have good in the world, but I'll tell you one thing that I heard from everybody, and I absolutely know this is true, and I've had this 100% when I've been as the mashkiach in a base medrash, knowing, this, knowing the following. I have never, ever, ever asked a person to leave without davening for them first. The question that I think it was, I don't remember if it was Rav Shach or the Chazanish that asked the person who came to him and said, right, he asked the question, what do we do? You know, what do we do with this kid, right? He's influencing others, etc. He said, what's his name? What's his Hebrew name? And they said, we don't know. They said, get out of here, you murderers. How have you not davened for this kid? How have you not davened for him? You're coming here to kick him out and to throw him out without davening for him first? How dare you? Do such a thing without davening for him first. I've taken that to heart. Yes, obviously, there are certain people that don't belong, that are vishalchu minamachana, the tsurua, the zod, the choltame lenefesh. Yes, there are people that don't belong with us. But if you haven't davened for them first, then you can't say that I'm the one who's going to kick him out. First daven and then talk about it. I'm not talking in the, the, the literal sense. I'm talking in the remez sense that we're using the tzachsam silver, the igritikala, etc. for. If you want to do that, you better have that name ready. You better have that name on your lips ready to daven for that person or how dare you decide to ruin a person's life without doing something for them. All right, Shkach, everybody. Have a great Shabbos.